Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You tell us what's in the box. What is in the box today? Not what you expected today. Last time we said we were going to do Heavy Rain, uh, the video game. Um, but we've decided not to do that today. We have not. Um, we have not. We're going to be doing Willy's Wonderland today. The 2021 movie directed by Kevin Lewis and starring Nicholas the Cage Coppola. Oh, we want to talk a little bit about why we decided to change things up. Do you want to start out with that? Yeah. So, you know, last last time it was our one year anniversary. You know, um, I believe we mentioned we started this right at the beginning of the pandemic and it's something that we stuck with. Um, we're going to we, we want to keep doing this because we have such a great time with it. Um, but when we were going around or not going around, when we were looking at all of our stats uh, over the last year and trying to gauge which um, episodes and topics and mediums y'all seem to like the most, um, y'all kind of latched on to the movies and books, especially the episodes where we actually had the authors of the books on there. So we have decided, um, you know, we're not going to stop doing video games or comics, things like that, even though they were the ones that were listened to the least just by several uh, clicks. But not we're, we're going to focus more on trying to get more authors on and reading their books and discussing the relationships in their books. Um, and we're going to do a little bit more movies, uh, but we want to focus on newer material, uh, probably within the last year or so. Um, and like new releases as stuff starts to come out. Um, we just want to be a little bit more timely, a little bit more relevant, I guess. Um, and there's a lot it seemed of to be what it. people were wanting to listen yeah. to. They got them the, when we were doing the newer movies, the ones that people had like seen in their brain recently it seemed like they were clicking on those a little bit more rather than ones like that were older um, yeah. classics you know and stuff not that there's anything wrong with classics we're sure you mm -hmm. all you love classics it's just when you're listening to a podcast you know you might it seems like people wanted to hear a little bit about you know the new stuff that was coming out or stuff they had just seen or stuff they were thinking of seeing yeah so that's all yeah i don't know but y'all really so like the talking about episode. yeah <laughs> right yeah we, we, yeah, we, we did an overlap there <laughs> yeah american psycho um, i think that's me sort of first episode people are checking it out and stuff yeah and, and everything but uh yeah so today we're going to be talking about willie's wonderland the 2021 movie with nicholas cage and when i tell you i was fucking hyped for this movie i could not have been more hyped sitting down to watch this movie i was so hyped like, like my hype was stratospheric because I, I, Nicolas Cage has a special place in my heart. I love him. Mm -hmm. I think he's just, he's Nick Cage. It just yes. isn't Nick Cage. He does Nick Cage things yes. and he is Nick Cagey and I love it. And he's just gotten only more Nick Cagey over the years. If you look at the past few movies, he's done <laughs> Mandy color out of space. Uh, this one, Willie's Wonderland, the one he's got coming up which is like a horror movie. Uh, he's got two coming up, one where he plays himself 
the immense burden of talent or something like that, where he plays himself. And he has another horror movie coming out where it's like samurai ghost and stuff like that. And he did one called jujitsu. I mean, he's just gone. I mean, I mean, there's no no caging the cage. No, he's, he's always been like that guy. That's like, or that, that sort of actor that's, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. If I think this is going to be fun, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And that's exactly like, I swear to God, like, this movie felt like Nick Cage got really high with a bunch of other writers and people that he wanted to make this. And I, I don't know if he had any involvement in making this movie I, or I actually know this story. Oh, okay. I actually do know this story because I read an article with the person who wrote the screenplay Oh, and he wrote the screenplay and we'll get into the relationships in the actual movie, but I think this stuff is kind of fascinating to know because it's so much of what makes the movie what it is. So the guy who wrote it and was trying to get it made, um, he wrote it. And, and one of the things is he expected he was going to have to do a low budget himself. So that's actually why he made the janitor in the movie have no dialogue because he thought he was going to have to play the janitor himself and he didn't want to give himself dialogue because he's not an actor so he thought he was gonna have to play him himself well he gave it to his agent and his agent said you know if you got nick cage in on this it could really be something special and he's like yeah right like i'm gonna get nick cage to do this and he goes well no i actually happen to have his manager's number i can you know i have a couple connections i can get this to his manager So his agent got it to Nick Cage's manager, gave it to Nick Cage on a Friday. And Nick Cage called him Monday morning and said, I'm in. Let's do this. Oh, my God. That is exactly how it happened. That is according to the guy who wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely wondering why Nick Cage did not have any dialogue, but it worked. It worked. It did. And and that's why, because he wrote like that, because he thought he was going to have to be playing the janitor himself. Yeah. And uh, But no, Nick Cage says, I love this janitor. I want to be this janitor. Let's do it. Called the guy oh on Monday God. morning after reading the script I over the I love that. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, I was just kind of imagining, you know, like Nick Cage and everybody else involved with the movie, like really high out of Chuck E. Cheese. Because yeah. Chuck E. Cheese is terrifying. This movie is... Like the last time, okay, the last time I was in a Chuck E. Cheese, it was for my cousin's kids. So this is like my first cousin once removed. She's like seven now. This was when she turned five, five or six, but her birthday was at a Chuck E. Cheese. And of course, if you know Chuck E. Cheese, they have animatronic characters that fucking sing happy birthday. And it's really creepy. And I just remember I was taking a picture of the creepy animatronic characters and as i have my camera up and i'm about ready to hit the shutter all of them their heads turn and face me lock eyes with oh, me fuck all no. at the same time and fuck i know and i was fuck. like who the fuck what fucking employee is controlling these giant oh animals made of metal and oil right now i do oh not God. like this this is no, bullshit. this is not okay. <laughs> this is so, not okay. So yes, this, I mean, this movie is super. Yeah. Well, so anyone who doesn't yeah. know the premise, the premise real quick is 
there's Nick Cage's character is the janitor. He shows up in this town. He gets a flat and he doesn't have money to pay for the repairs. So they say, hey, you clean Willie's Wonderland, which is this Chuck E. Cheese type place overnight and we will fix your car. Well, it turns out that, you know, the animatronics in this place come to life and it turns into this big slasher blood fest. That's that's the basic soundbite synopsis. And mm-hmm. as we go on to talk about the movie, we'll get into a lot more of the detail. But that's the basic premise. Yes. And yes, as we said, Nick Cage's character does not talk. Um, but Nick Cage's character does not need to talk because no. Nick Cage did a lot with his face and his body and his attitude that mm-hmm. you just, it was it was pretty great. Yeah. It just added a lot. It just added a really lot. And I know the writer did it because of, uh, you know, budgetary concerns, but like it worked. Yeah. And his agent was so right. Like you get Nick Cage in this, you have something special. They were yes. so spot on with that. Yeah. And so I think before we kind of get into detail and how it kind of the movie, I do think we need to talk about something that gets brought up every time this movie gets brought up, which is Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> oh yes uh that game which is i swear just an adrenaline (laughs) i mean you're not doing much but your adrenaline is just and and yeah you know you're the night guard at a chucky cheese like animatronic place in night Mm -hmm. and five nights at freddy's you know that's it's the same kind of deal but you have to last a week or you know you're trying to get through a week five nights uh, as as the security person trying to protect yourself from them. So a lot of people, when they saw this movie, um, you know, likened it to Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. So, yeah. So I f- just figured to mention it. We are, I am well aware of that game. I'm sure Joanna, Joanna is too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I have some oh, students yeah. who absolutely just love that game. I've only watched playthroughs on yeah youtube and things, kind of enough, things like that you know, yeah i get nervous enough watching them play through i still get the internet like oh shit what are you gonna yeah, yeah i just i'm dumb enough to play those kinds of games and monitor my heart rate and my stress levels on my oh, smart, no. on my smartwatch just because it's funny um <laughs> but i yeah uh, i have students look, who absolutely look, love that game to me and you just like hold it up to the screen oh, look at oh, look at i am stressed it is in the red right now <laughs> but yeah no it's um but obviously, like this movie isn't scary at all. It's just super silly. It's super fun. It's fun, campy. It's fun, campy, but it like takes a lot of classic slasher tropes and kind of twists them a little bit. And there's a surprising amount of like good, um, I guess, de- detail in relationships mm-hmm. between the characters for a slasher. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, let's talk about I mean the main the main relationship that I think we maybe should get to kind of last is the one between the janitor and Liv. Yeah. Who is the main girl, um the final girl I call her <laughs> um cuz she's kind of the one that but um but yeah, um so I think we should save that. But I think uh, maybe the first one we should kind of talk about is, you know, just briefly is Tex McAdoo, the guy who owns it and Jed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, you know, the thing is, is like, just, you know, I'm assuming anybody who's listening to this has seen it and they want to hear our take on it. So as you know, the whole town isn't on this thing. The idea is they bring these people to 
uh, Willy's Wonderland to sacrifice them to the animatronics. Um, because. Because. Because yeah, ahead, they are possessed by the spirits of the original employees and owner of Willy's Wonderland who murdered families in like the fun room in the back. And then when they were finally caught, they sacrificed themselves in a satanic ritual and put their spirits into the animatronics. So the people of this town are like, please don't hurt us. We'll bring you sacrifices. Exactly. So, so that's what these people yeah. did. So like they thought they had gotten rid of these people because they realized they were killing people, serial killers, cannibal serial killers. Um, thought they gotten rid of them, but then they realized that the animatronics are coming into town and killing people. So to, yeah. So as Jana said, to prevent that, they kind of make a deal and say, "Hey, we'll get you victims. Uh, just don't terrorize the town." Yeah. <laughs> so that's what the jander gets involved in. The spikes that break down his car were actually set there mm-hmm. uh, by the town. To his very nice Camaro, may I add? Mm-hmm. Baller car that he had. A very Nick Cage. Camaro. Yeah, I was like, Seriously. "Is this gone in sixty seconds?" Like, <laughs> is, is this his car? This must be his car. Yeah, but it's nice car. I just had to comment on that because that was the first thing I said when I'm like, "Oh, that is a nice car." Yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway, so they actually trap in there. Um, is their purpose? They set it up so his car would break down. So Jed and Tex are in on it. Now, the funny thing about it is, it seems like. You know, tech, I don't know. Do you feel like that they're kind of okay with it? Like, I definitely know the sheriff who we'll get into later mm-hmm. is not kind of okay with it. But like, do you think Tex and Jed actually like care that they're that they're doing this? I mean, I mean, based on the ending where they're just kind of like, oh shit, the guy actually like survived the night and cleaned it up. Well. I guess the problem's over. Now I can eventually actually re reopen this place. Right. You know, I, I mean, they, they seemed very just like nonchalant about it. And they were like, okay, yeah, well. Just the way uh, things are. Yeah, this is yeah. the way things are done. Yeah, this is the way things are now. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right about that. I think, you know, while they didn't seem to be like celebrating or whatever, it just seemed like, you know, this is what we have to do. Yeah. You know, Um so yeah for sure um and then we can get into uh Liv's friends there uh Chris Kathy Bob and Dan <laughs> they're a um, which, fun little bunch yeah I mean and and the thing with them is that they are totally meant to be the typical slasher group of teens in a slasher movie mm-hmm. so just really picture the relationships that you would see in between those characters in a slasher movie and that's kind of what you had right yeah i mean that's how i saw it that's what they were meant yeah they were kind of meant to satirize that you know like it like if it were a horror movie without the janitor it would be this group of teenagers going in and facing the evil of willie's wonderland you know and only the girl would survive you know and it would be you know but then you add you know the janitor in and becomes kind of a different story different dynamic yeah yeah but i think they were supposed to represent that they were supposed to represent the oh this is how it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. these teens 
going in there and dealing with this after a bad experience and whatnot, but that's not what we're going to do. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be a different, it's going to be different. Yeah. So the relationships between them are like the typical, you know, you had the jock, the kind of loner, the horny couple, Mm -hmm. you know, the nerd, (laughs) you know, so you had the stereotype. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like you said, the jock, um, the couple who are having sex in the room where all those families were murdered. We all know as you do. We all know in a horror movie, sex is a big freaking no-no. Yep. Like, sorry, just keep it in your pants for a couple hours until the movie's over. Yep. <laughs> so it's you like, can really? survive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, going off to have sex with your partner never works out. No, not at all. And then um, there was the guy that had a crush on um, Liv. So, yeah. although I felt, I felt like Liv was more upset when that, um, when the jock, um, Aaron, when he died yeah. rather than, um, what's, what's his face? Is it not Dan? I think it was Chris. Chris was the one who had the, yeah. Oh yeah. Because he got strangled. Uh, with the chameleon's tongue yeah I felt like she was more um sort of ambivalent towards him and maybe had a closer like friendship with um with Aaron yeah um and then I felt probably like the her relationship with Kathy wasn't like totally there maybe just because like oh that's what's his face's girlfriend that comes around all the time but I yeah there there is like that her. there there was they a did give her a good moment yeah say they did give her a good moment when Liv was um handcuffed and all the dudes were there like hey what are you gonna find something and blah blah blah, blah. And we gotta and, get her out of these uh, and then the mm-hmm. guy is like oh okay yeah whatever there she we go. Pulls it. Yeah, and she like picks it and stuff, and while the dudes are still like doing whatever, trying to discuss yeah. it. Yeah, that that was one of those nice moments that I felt like stepped away from the tropes of slashers. There, yeah. um, so they were some. They were meant to be the trope. Like they were meant yeah. to be a nod. Like we know this is the type of movie this is supposed to be, you know, and stuff. But then they did little nods like that. And, you know, adding in the janitor and all that other stuff, you know, uh, to make it not, yeah, um, you know, so, so typical. So that was cool. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think her relationship with her lives relationships with her friends and their relationships are the ones, you know, you'd find in most, I think that's what their purpose though, is they were meant to represent that mm-hmm. typical lineup you see, like Cabin in the Woods made fun of, you know, the typical young person lineup and mm-hmm. they each get killed off one by one yeah that's what they were supposed to be yeah and their relationships were supposed to represent that you know the love triangle the nerd the jock the horny couple yeah the, you know but the final yeah nerd. and or not but but to add on to what to what what you're saying um the fact that they all die and then not to get too ahead of ourselves but um lives technically adopted mother the uh sheriff um Mm -hmm. like basically all of her connections to that little town like everybody's dead 
So she gets to be free. And it was basically like these people were holding her back. And that's why she feels so comfortable at the end, like getting back into the car with the janitor and just basically riding off on an, an adventure. You know, she had to, like, it was... I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into to this way too much, but like no, all, no, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, all of that. I think that was the intention. Yeah, all all of that trauma just in one night is a representation. I feel of like what happened to Liv when she was younger, because her family was intended as sac- sacrificial victims. Yeah. To- so the, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, that her family, her mother and her mom, her dad and herself, um, you know, broke down or were trapped just like the janitor <laughs> was previously. And she survived. Her parents died and the sheriff felt bad about it. So adopted her. Um when she realized she was still alive yeah so and she finds that out later like she didn't realize that like at the beginning of the movie but that's something she discovers you know and which i think is a good segue to talk about the relationship between the sheriff and um uh, sheriff eloise and Liv. yeah Um, how did you feel about their you know i mean she rescued her which was great but then it seemed like she didn't treat her that well you know, no, like, I mean, it was probably, I mean, when we're first introduced to Liv, she's at Willie's Wonderland trying to burn it down. And then her mom rolls up because she's the sheriff and handcuffs her, puts her into the back of the car and then takes her back home and handcuffs her to like a radiator. So she's like stuck there and leaves her with a bucket to pee in and then says, yeah, like, there's, the there's chips on the counter. And just because we have no information at that point it seems like really fucking extreme but then as time goes on you realize like the sheriff is in an extreme way trying to keep live away from that place yeah and that's something i didn't consider like until you just said it because i thought she was just kind of an asshole but then i realized that yeah if you look at it from that point of view she just didn't want her to go near that place so you yeah, know, in a weird, yeah, like you're in a weird way. She was trying to keep her, even you know, though it was and, wrong and to handcuff her, <laughs> right? You know, um, yeah, because it seems like the sheriff, you know, she was just trying to protect the town, and it was messed up because they're sacrificing mm-hmm. these people to do it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And she's willing to do a lot to do it. So, mm-hmm. like, you get it. She wants to save the people of the town and stuff. But it's like, at one point, do you? like become a monster yourself yeah and i think you know when when we meet her she's already at that point i mean her one redeeming quality is like trying to keep live alive and she cares about her enough to like take her deputy in the middle of the night when they get the phone call and they're like yeah the deputy who was sent yeah and i think he's sort of a little bit of the uh audience uh talking about the deputy now um, he was a little bit of like the audience POV because he didn't know what was going on. So he yeah. was a good basis to get some exposition on what was happening from the sheriff because he was with her. So the scenes with him were really, because he got sent there or he was new or something because um, they had that scene where they were sitting there and he was like, so what do we do? We just wait and hope that phone doesn't ring. Oh you yeah, know? because like, that's what they were. 
Yeah, because the sheriff had put a curfew because of Liv, right? Yeah. Um, and because she, you know, the sheriff knew, oh, the guy's there, you know, so let's just lock the dude in Willie's Wonderland. The town has a curfew. Nobody fucking go near there. There's the sacrifice. Um, but they still needed to wait just in case there was an, an emergency. So he, I don't, I, I didn't get the impression that he was like new to like the little police force there. Um, but it was probably the first time that, the sheriff had ever yeah that 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 the sheriff asked him to to stay (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, but yeah but either way he was a good character to like what was going on and then he died a little bit of the point of view yeah and then he died it was like you know just like the sheriff died trying trying to rescue live and i mean that was her like redeeming quality you know she obviously would do anything to keep her safe even handcuff her to or a radiator but she knew she was walking into dangerous satanic animatronics um yeah you know and she's trying to convince Liv leave the fucking janitor and she's like no we're not leaving the janitor in here and Liv's the only person throughout the entire thing even with like some some of her friends who are just like let's just light it on fire with the guy in there who cares? And she's like, no, he's, he's, he's an innocent dude. So I mean, Liv, like definitely she cares about everybody, regardless of how connected she is with them or not. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, she knew what she was going into and, and, uh, and yeah, I was willing to do anything. So she, she had kind of one track mind in terms of all that and everything yeah in terms of the you know her her goal to keep to keep live alive yeah Um, so before we get into uh the janitor how did you feel about you know we got to talk about the kills how did you feel about the kills in this movie so many just like ripping the spines out like i i (laughs) i forget which animatronic thing he like um reached down into or I think it maybe was the 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 crocodile but he like ripped the jaw apart like and then he reached down through its mouth into its throat and then just like pulled out the spine and that was like the second or third time he did it and I'm like these are some Freddy the 13th like esque type kills yeah but yeah, I thought they were pretty great. Yeah, <clears throat> personally, um, I thought the animatronics were good. They had they had eight of them. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. Little Artie Alligator, Ozzy Ostrich, Tito Turtle, Siren Sarah, Nighty Night, Gus Gorilla, and Cami Chameleon. Yeah, the and then um, there. My favorite was Siren Sarah. I thought she was the creepiest. Who's wait? Is personally Siren Sarah the fairy? Yeah. Not her. Uh-huh. Okay. I thought she was the creepiest person. Yeah, she's creepy. Because yeah. I mean her body was more human-like, but then it was her her head. Yeah. That yeah. was really weird. Yeah. And then her and she had that whole little forest area and whatever. Oh yeah. yeah. It was very yeah. much like, oh man, this is like Irish folklore fairy status. <laughs> like that yeah. that was the I whole thought, vibe. I thought she was the creepiest one, but yeah, I yeah. enjoyed um 
you know, because, you know, yeah, we're talking about relationships, but, you know, in a movie like this, the kills are important. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's part of the movie. Yeah. I um, I appreciated the, the jam. Yeah, I thought they were good. Uh, I thought they were good. And the animatronics were good. Yeah. That and how, like, I'm... How the kills were organized, not necessarily in like the order that they were done in, but of course it made sense to have Willy Weasel be at the end because it is Willy's Wonderland. So he's like the final boss. It sort of had like a video game feel to it where yes. the the janitor would set his watch and be like, oh, it's break time. And then he would just go pound like oh, an, yeah. another soda and play some pin pinball and then it would go go off again. He's like, oh back to cleaning like this is a guy that's like on some level maybe stand up because he's like well I took this job I'm working to get my car back so this is what I'm going Mm -hmm. to do oh these animatronics are alive fuck this bullshit kill 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 go back to cleaning like it's like yeah so it's a good segue because you know the final thing we're going to talk about is the janitor is a character and then I think we'll get into the janitor and Liv's relationship um so let's talk about the janitor (laughs) the janitor he does not talk um and the only clue we get is that he has dog tags hanging from his rear view I didn't even notice that Oh, in the very beginning, that's the only real clue you get. So some kind of military. Yeah. Um, but that's all you get. That's it. Like literally you just, I, you see some dog tags. I saw some dog tags hanging from the Camaro, uh, rear view. Yeah. And that was it. So, you know, military of some kind, but we have no background on this guy. Um, we have no background whatsoever, except that he has a nice car, nice style you know, Nick Cage style, you know, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if those were Nick Cage's clothes, um, you know, I'm sure uh, and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he has this, I don't know. And see, he was, I don't think he was like, fuck this. I think he was just sort of like, this is what the job is. I think that's what made it interesting mm-hmm. because like, it was almost like he just kind of accepted whatever was going on. Yeah. And then just kind of kept it what he was supposed to be doing and his schedule and like, and like doing that because that was a thing of the character, you know. He had his breaks, and he yeah. took his, his watch went off. He took his break. It was yeah, went and it was in soda. a very strict like regiment, like somebody in the military. Like when when they're doing that, and there's there there was that one moment where him and Liv are about to face off against um the uh the The crocodile no the uh the uh lizard girl with the with with the long tongue chameleon or the chameleon and then his watch goes off and then he's just like ah shit without saying ah shit you know because he didn't he yeah he doesn't talk and then he goes on his break but then he turns back around hands live a knife and then goes back on his break (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh here and so then she's left the whole time we get a montage of him taking his break and her fighting. Yeah. And then the break is finally over and he comes back and saves her. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, so, it's almost like he knew enough to where lives a bit of a badass. She'll, she'll be okay, but I need to go like take a break and recharge my mana and my health. Like it's a fucking video game and like pound, pound yeah. these sodas. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, found these power sodas that he had all the time. Oh, yeah. And what was it? Like he goes and then he had none left or something or someone had taken one or something. No, he he, he ended up having one left at the end because he like gives it to live in the car. But yeah, then yeah, 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 yeah. he put the like two or whatever or whatever he had left like in his sack. And then yeah. he beat Willy Weasel with it. So just yeah, that's whack. right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a fascinating character. Yeah. You know, I think I think, you know, it was right. You know, he did that no speaking, you know, for budgetary reasons, but that's sometimes necessity. Yeah. Kind of makes it makes you make these un make these unusual choices mm-hmm. that put a layer onto the character that would not have been there. Yeah. If he was talking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he would have just been kind of probably your stereotypical, you know, horror movie, you know. Yeah. Hero, I mean, whatever. he definitely did not need to say anything. And just to, you know, to add to to your your point, um, when he's in the tow truck and the driver is just rambling on and on and on. And then he takes off his sunglasses at one point and then just gives this look. Like, if you do not stop talking, I just <laughs> might smash your face into the steering wheel, like type type thing. But then he eventually just like kind of collects himself and he's like, oh, dear God, you know, so that gives us even like more insight to who he is and just how much of an outsider he is in general to to this town, even if there wasn't Tannic living animatronic creatures in an abandoned Trekkie cheese like place. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, I think it is that fascinating, you know, because we get to draw these conclusions and we get so much without having to say anything, yeah, um, without the character saying anything. You know, we get a lot, we get the, we get the attitude and we get the the you know the like he's obviously skilled and competent taking out all of these you know all of these things you know yeah um so yeah Liv didn't have a choice at the end but like can you blame her she just watched this dude like wreck all these things so like if you want to be safe I'd bet that guy was a safe bet yeah like you know like Xander's a badass like anything comes after me you know, and I mean, as long as it's not his break. Absolutely. <laughs> and I feel like Liv kind of knew that at the beginning because when she first like saw him in the truck or when they got out or whatever and like locked eyes with him, there, you know, there was, of course, like this obvious moment where, and I mean, because it's based a lot on traditional slashers, you can you can very easily guess where the story is going to go. But given the the arrival of this new person and that ju- juxtaposed with Liv's life at that point, it's almost like this guy's kind. He he might be a savior in a sense, you know. Um, he sort of saved the town he saved live he got to take take her away and you know um normally i would recommend young women don't get into cars with strange middle-aged men um if it's nick cage it's okay but if it's nick cage it's okay yeah <laughs> it's okay of course um, <laughs> But what, I mean, she was probably, you know, 
going to have a better life with him, was going to be safe with him. You know, he yeah. literally he kind of acknowledged her, yeah. like, you know, here, have a, you know, you want, like, have some of this you know. punch pop or what, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Called. And, and I, 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 okay. So let's talk about Liz. Yeah. And a little bit about how we felt about her and then the janitor and Liv. And then let's talk about the end because I have some juicy stuff about the end. Oh, that's exciting. That I've heard. So I'm excited um, about that. So how did you, I, how did you feel about Liv um, as a character? I, I mean, final I, girl, does she fit in the pantheon? Oh, does she count? Absolutely. I think, I think she fucking counts. I mean, per, Personality-wise, like, the final girl has, like, the most moxie, the most gusto, like, the one that actually tries to fight back, the one that wants to save other people, you know, the one that wants to do the right thing, you know, the the strongest always survives. So, yeah, I totally think 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 she does. Um, but, I, you know, what is special about this ending, unlike traditional slashers, is that at the end, the final girl is just kind of left alone. It's like, she's already gone through all of this trauma. And now she's left alone to process like everybody that is, everybody that has died around her. But Liv has, has a new friend in the janitor, basically, you know, some, yeah. somebody that she can continue to survive with. And I think that is so comforting and, and it's such a nice reward. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. Um, and the thing is, is if like, if he was in the military as, you know, I just by that little clue mm-hmm. and then by looking at the skills he has, I mean, you don't get those <laughs> skills by, you know, no being a pe- manicurist. I mean, unless you're like manicuring tigers or something, yeah. but so he obviously had experiences that were probably traumatizing. Yeah that gave him the skills to be able to like rip apart these animatronics and shit. Yeah. And so if anyone would understand the trauma that Liv went through, right. Yeah. Teacher stuff, you know, yeah. I mean, and all that stuff, who better yeah. really than someone who'd been through it, you know, the trauma with her parents, you know, dying, being sacrificed, you know, and then finding out she was lied to, and then all the friends she knows dies, everybody she knew, her whole family, everybody she, everything she knew is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, even the stories that she was told is gone. And yeah. like the janitor would be the perfect person to like understand that, right? Yeah. And not only that, but like he doesn't talk. So he's not going to be like pressuring her. It's going to be like this kind of like yeah. quiet kind of support. Yeah. Like I'm going to be, I mean, you know, I'm there. I always do the same thing. I'm I'm consistent because a lot of things with trauma that I've learned over yeah. the years is consistency mm-hmm. is very important. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, you were saying you were reading into it. I may be reading into it, but like somebody <laughs> who, who will like stop a battle to go and do pinball and take a break because that's what it's time to do is obviously regimented and will be consistent. Yeah for her getting through her trauma and having her world turned upside down somebody who is who is so who is routined and someone who is who knows you know what they're going to be doing knows what they like the soda they like and is so routine would probably be comforting i'd imagine it would be easy to build trust because there's that level of predictability 
you know, that helps build that trust. And then once the trust is there, it's like, then you can feel okay skewing away from the routine and everything else. So, which she obviously lived in and have that with, with the sheriff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I kind of love the fact that that's what happened. Like, you know, she just kind of goes over to the car I mean, I just love that moment because it didn't need words. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I think when you put words into something, it makes it kind of less than, right? You know? Absolutely. But it wasn't. She just went over, looking over the car at him and goes to get in the car and just looks at him like. And he, and he accepts it. it. He accepts it. Yeah, and he accepts it. It's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Because he knows. Yeah, let's go. Let's get out of here. Yeah you know um yeah so I mean I I thought I enjoyed that it ended that way yeah because I thought it was really really cool and um and everything like that um but what I wanted to talk about um is share your secrets before we get into the end (laughs) yeah before we get to the end was there anything else you kind of like any other impressions of the movie anything else that you know, we didn't touch on or, I mean, did you like it? Oh my God. I I fucking loved it. It was such a fun movie, you know, like it, um, it, dude, the soundtrack, we did not talk about the soundtrack. The soundtrack was, dude, when they played Freebird at the end, I, I fucking lost (laughs) it. I was screaming, man. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I'm yeah, also you can buy the soundtrack. I'm never setting foot into a Chuck E. Cheese ever again. And actually, it is uh, good we're doing it today because I believe it comes out on Blu-ray today. Oh, it did come out in Blu-ray today. Purchase. But when this come when this episode comes out, it's going to be in it will the have been future. Out already. So if you didn't know, it's it's out on Blu-ray. It's out on Blu-ray. So yeah, so you can go and enjoy it yourself for all time. I know I will be getting a copy as soon as possible yes. because I loved it too. It's, this definitely was a movie that was up my alley. Yeah, um, my friend Christy and got a copy of it on oh, nice. on Blu-ray. Hi, Christy. <laughs> yeah, uh, another Nick Cage super uh, fan. Yeah, so I loved it. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it highly. It was fun. It was very cathartic too. <laughs> it was very. It was very cathartic. Just like yeah, just taking taking them all out. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. And she was just like, I'm sticking with you. Yep. You know, like, like girl, I, you know, all of my friends are dead. My family is dead. I wanted to get out, out of that town. Anyways, I have nothing. Yeah. I probably would do yeah, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And the little details they put in like, okay. So he had cleaned the whole bathroom and then the bathroom gets messed up. Like the very beginning, oh, the first one yeah. he runs into the gorilla and he messes up the gorilla and then just cleans the bathroom again. It was like, it was just. Oh, and when he got, great. when he got his cheek cut by the first one, he just put duct tape over it. Like, I'm like, that is so in character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Duct tape and then they have the stack of shirts that he just kept changing. Yeah. <laughs> like the stack of, of woolly shirts which 
you can also buy. Oh, good. By the way. Because I'm going we're to the merch out, but you can you can buy the Willie's Wonderland shirts. My friends, when we watched this, um, it was a thing we're really excited about because my friends and I all have a thing. It's like, it's Nick Cage. We're watching it. Like, actually, when I, hey, James, hey, Autumn, hey, Ian, everybody, <laughs> and my husband, uh, when I told them I was, uh, we usually have a movie night and we watched this on one of our movie nights a bit ago. And uh, and I told them, they were like, are we having movie night tonight? I was like, no, I got to go and record a podcast. I was like, I got to go and talk about Nick Cage. And they were like, Go forth and spread the word of our Lord. I'm like, don't worry. He is always with me. And we were just exchanging Nick Cage gifts back and forth, you know? Oh, I mean. But uh, yeah, when we watched it, they had bought Willie's Wonderland shirts. And so they wore them to movie night. I love to watch that. Because we already knew. We already knew we were going to love it. So Yeah. Which side note, and then I want to get into all this, all the special stuff that you wanted to say, but if you too are looking for a Willie's Wonderland t-shirt, I just Googled it. Go to willieswonderlandmerch.com. Yeah. Get the official. No, it's sold out. Oh no. No. Okay. So wait a little bit. Wait a little. Don't, don't go. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, they'll be, they'll be back. But probably since the Blu-ray came out, that's why they're sold out right now. But no, oh wait, the small is sold out. Hold on. Is the meat. Oh my God. They're all sold out. Okay. It says t-shirts are currently on back order and will ship as soon as possible. Okay. Well, the site is behind. It says, um, uh, week of March 1st or the week of April 5th. Uh, Dang. Well. All right. Forget, forget I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, yeah. I mean, they knew, they knew that people were going to want to wear the shirts that Nick Cage puts on. Yeah. You know, in the movie. So they knew that and, uh, and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that was a great detail that <laughs> you just had this pile of shirts and it just kept mm-hmm. like every time. <laughs> Like he just kept getting a new one yeah. and they would do the quick cuts, you know, the quick cuts for all that. It was pretty great. Um, but yeah. Okay. So uh, the stuff I have about the ending. So that same interview I read mm-hmm. with the director said that they cut a part of the movie. Get this. They had a part of the movie where at the end, the janitor pulls out a notebook and it has a list of places like the Winchester Murder House, the Queen Mary, like all these really haunted places and Willie's Wonderland. And he pulls out a pencil and crosses off Willie's Wonderland. Why would they cut that out? That's so good. They cut it. Why? They cut it. That's so good. That's like the one little bit of context that was totally missing from his character. It's like, who is he? Why is he here? And then just that little thing would would have been like, oh, this dude's on a mission. I get it. Okay, cool. And it, w- yeah. it wouldn't have affected anything. Yeah, I don't know why they cut it, but he said they cut it. Um, but they are talking about the guy is really excited about doing other ones um, more or in the world. He's like, there's so much you could do. So here's what I picture. Here, here was my pitch. Here's what I picture. It opens up. And, you know, the Camaro comes into view, right? The Camaro and Liv and the janitor get out Mm -hmm. and he looks up like as he did in the movie, like with the sunglasses and he looks up and they're like at some haunted place. Yeah. 
like they're at the Queen Mary or they're at the Winchester murder house or they're like somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, super haunted. And he like takes off the shades, gives, gives the place a look, you know, does all the overhead, you know, all that stuff. And then he turns and looks at her like the hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, because they didn't put that in the movie, it could be like, she's bringing him to these places now. Like now that they took Willie's Wonderland, you know? Yeah. So like, he just gives her a look like, what the hell, you know, are we? And he's like, oh, come on, you know? Yeah. Like we could really help the, you know, stop this place, you know, and all this other stuff or whatever. I would love you know? that. Like a slasher little ragtag band with the janitor and Liv. And I mean, it's very um, like su- supernatural Sam and Dean Win- Winchester. Right! It, 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 yeah, that would be really awesome. And I mean, I, 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 I stopped watching that uh, su- Supernatural after like supernatural. season five. Because yeah, well, they have like 16. Oh my God, they had way too many. Like, okay, no. So like, Yes, I, I think I went as far as like maybe s- 16. I, I went as far as maybe six or seven, but I think it was supposed to end at season five because that's what the original creator intended, but then he passed away, if I remember correctly. Um, I could uh, I could be totally wrong, but it went on for much longer than what than what was in intended. And what pulled me out of the show was when they had that whole season with the leviathans um and then they went to the next season and then they just never brought it up again it was like it magically got resolved during the hiatus and we never saw we never saw what happened so the the writing of that show pulled pulled me out but i always liked that like buddy cop were fighting like the supernatural type thing and to have that in a slasher world hell yes you don't really see that so right i thought it would be super because i could picture it like yeah yeah, they just pull up i had pictured the look you know they pull up to some place they get out he like gives her a look and she's like what you know yeah you know you know or if they did want to go the route of you know he's going to all those places like he pulls up and she gets out and she's complaining. Yeah. You know, like, whoa, no, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, whatever. And he just like, you know, he kind of ignores her. He just starts pulling out his sodas and like all this like, other stuff. Tosses like, one, one to her and she's just like, oh, motherfucker. And just like chugs oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, Son of a, you chucks it and they walk in and then like the movie starts, you yes. know? Like, it would be baller, I thought. But yeah. like, yeah, they're definitely wanting to do more and stuff so but yeah i loved it i loved the camp i loved the mashing of the ideas Mm -hmm. i loved the the twist of the tropes it was just enough trope and just enough twist yes you know what i mean absolutely like i always learned in writing class that like you know you have to have enough of the familiar yeah and then put your own little thing on it and that's the best because then the audience will hold on to the familiar yeah and they'll be impressed by what what isn't familiar yeah you know because it's new and refreshing but if you do too much that's trope then it's just you know reiterating yeah you know boring but if you have too much if you're trying to do too much that they can't recognize what genre they're Mm -hmm. in or recognize etc 
um, then, then you're going to have problems there too, because yeah. they won't react to it the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, Cabin in the Woods did a great job of that with enough homage to the tropes of what was going on. Yeah. Like literally tropes was the joke and, and then the twist on it. Yeah. Right. That was another fun movie. And then with this, it did the same <laughs> yeah. thing. It worked that way. Shaun of the Dead did the same oh, yeah. thing, you know, worked on the tropes, Yeah, but just had enough of a refreshing take on it that it that it felt like that yeah you know? so I think I think that's what really made this work like it had all this stuff that horror fans would love in this sort of thing you know the camp and the blood and the kills and all this stuff but then it had this unique character that you don't see in slashers too too yeah. much other than Ash Williams yeah. I think from from Army of Darkness you know the super competent the super you know well depending on which I mean Evil Dead 1 he wasn't, yeah, but, you know, I mean, from that. Too, Ash gets competent, but you know, you don't see it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and even then they kind of even twisted that trope further and that, you know, Ash is competent, but he's wisecracking. Well, mostly competent, you know, he can't say Latin to save his life, yeah. but, <laughs> but mostly competent. And, but he's also a wise ass, yeah. you know, he's making jokes and cracking and sass and all this stuff. And they kind of twisted that a little bit and that you have this super confident person, but who does not say anything. Yeah. You know, he's which, which you don't really get because you know who that's usually reserved for. That's hmm. usually reserved for the killer. Yeah. It's usually reserved for the slasher. Yeah. That's a right? good point. I didn't think about that. That's, yeah, you were so right. You know, the, the you know, killing but no yeah. never says anything just kind of michael myers stoppable force you thing. know yeah Jason, you know all that they're just there yeah you know um but they kind of twisted it in that they made the hero kind of have these actual the slasher qualities yeah you know doing the really epic kills and and not saying anything yeah just kind of being you know oh yeah yeah watch it y'all willie's wonderland so go and see it go and see it yeah, yeah definitely uh it's it's well worth a watch well, and everything mm. um so i hope i hope uh y'all didn't mind the little change up that we did yeah uh, i hope i hope y'all enjoyed it and we have a lot of exciting things in store in the coming weeks and uh we're just gonna do our best to keep on top of the the new stuff that has come out or is a uh, coming out um although for next time we're gonna roll into that now um we are since we do like doing special episodes still on this show we are going to do a mother's day special since we did not do it last year and, you know, we're just going to kind of be diving into a bunch of different mother-child relationships from various horror movies, you know, like maybe Friday the 13th or Mommy Dearest or, you know, stuff, Carrie, Carrie you know, stuff, stuff like that. Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Picking, like comparing and con- contrasting and things and things like that. Delving into the 
the cliche, not maybe cliched, but the stereotypical Freudian so tell me about your mother type type thing, right? Because yes. mothers are the root of all trauma. And no, but yeah. but um Yeah, last time our Mother's Day episode last year was Sybil, because oh. it was quite the uh the we Mother's Day mother in that. Oh, yeah, okay. that was our last year's one. So this time in general, we're just gonna be talking I about others. <laughs> Um, we didn't do it like a special. Okay. We talked about a movie yeah. that had like a really strong mother yeah. presence in it, uh, which Sybil did. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, but this time we just thought we would talk about, you know, mothers in general and their representation in horror. Yeah. Um, which usually it's not very good. No, but usually not. It's not most we of will the time. find out. Although Mrs. Voorhees really loved her son. Really, really loved her son. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then. <laughs> you say that reminds <laughs> me of the song by Tom Lair, Oedipus Rex. <laughs> oh, oh, Oedipus Rex. Oh, dear God. Anyways, <laughs> the song? we will save that all for next time. So you can check us out in the same space for our Mother's Day special. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. We are at the box underscore podcast. Uh, we also recently signed up for a new horror focused social media platform called Slasher. We are at, what did we set our name at for that one? Tell us what's in the box. Uh, we are at tell podcast. us what's in the box on Slasher. Uh, we try to get on there to update it. Um, and unfortunately, I think. I'm not sure why, maybe just because a lot of people are joining, but the app kind of runs a little slow and there's no web version. Um, But if you are on Slasher, go ahead and give us a follow there. Um, We're at tell tell us what's in the box. Um, And you can find us in the usual places to listen to all of our episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. So hopefully... Y'all enjoyed this. You love, hopefully now, I don't know, you've already seen Willy's Wonderland or now you want to go see it or go watch it again because it is, it's so much fun. Um, And hopefully y'all will stick with us on this journey as we're trying to figure out. As we're going into our second year. Going into our second year. year. Oh my God, we're growing up so fast.